Hi, everyone, and welcome to a very exciting edition of Words, Images, and Worlds. Delighted on this episode to be talking with a person who has certainly made a mark in comics, the world of comics, thinking about uh, work on Hawkworld and uh, a certain kind of lesser known character named Batman um, and uh, a character that uh, kind of a one hit wonder Bane um, you know somebody that, that most folks that know that character probably haven't heard of of course I'm being ironic I'm talking with uh, Graham Nolan who co-created Bane and has worked on a variety of titles and currently working with Compass Comics created Compass Comics is that right yes yeah that's my own publishing company yeah yeah so thank you for jumping on and talking with me for a few minutes today Graham you're welcome thanks for inviting me my pleasure. My pleasure. I, I mentioned a couple of titles and characters there, and I won't go extensively into the world of Batman and Bane because I know there are a couple of interviews out there that delve into that unless there's something in particular that you want to throw in that's that's not been out there. Um, but just curious before we talk about some of the, the indie titles and works that you've done, at, at what point did you look at the world of comics and go, this is the place for me? This is where I want to create and spend my time and share my ideas. When I was 12 years old, yeah. uh, my uh, sixth grade teacher brought in a stack of comics for the kids to read uh, during recess or mm -hmm. after tests, that type of thing. And one of the books that he had brought in was a brand new issue of the Justice League. And it had all these characters in there that I knew from media, uh, you know, Superman, Batman, Aquaman. Uh, and then lesser known characters, Green Lantern, that I hadn't heard about and stuff. Um, and uh, that one, that, that comic just lit me up. You know, mm -hmm. I'd peripherally been involved with comics. Um, you know, like every other kid, you know, they end up in your house. You don't remember buying them. Maybe grandparents bought you to shut you up or something like that. <laughs> uh, so I had some floating around. But that was the moment where it triggered. I was that, that perfect age, 12 years old. Uh, for comics and uh, it, it really connected with me um, I'd been a monster kid before that reading monster magazines and building Aurora model kits and stuff like that and uh, there was ar always articles in the magazines about comics uh, about what was going on so I had this peripheral knowledge of it but that was the catalyst mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so so you're telling me that there was a teacher who introduced you to the world of comics Yes. Yes, that's I awesome. was. That's yeah. amazing. That's Mr. A, a Schneider. Mr. Schneider. Mr. Schneider. Bruce Schneider. It was his first year of teaching right out of college. I was in his first class. And some years ago, 2000 and I don't know, 2008, something mm -hmm. like that, uh, I got in contact with him. And I went back to Long Island where I was uh, when I went to school there and we met, we had breakfast together and he had known about my career because I know I'm always talking, you know, when people ask that question. So I always mention his name mm -hmm. and he knew about it and he was just thrilled, um, you know, that I remembered him and, uh, you know, uh, and uh, give him shout outs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very cool. He's a great cool. teacher. Awesome. That that's one of the three lines on the show is getting people involved in the world of reading, uh, younger kids or older kids or adult mm -hmm. kids or whatever it happens to be, um, and the power of comics for literacy. So I appreciate mm -hmm. that story and uh, very cool things. My mom was a teacher, so she never had any kind of qualms about stuff I would read. You know, if, you know, trying to get a boy to read. You mm -hmm. know, where their minds are off in Adventureland and all that kind of stuff. And if you can get them hooked on something. You know, it's like a gateway drug. 
uh, get them in there reading, whether it's adventure comics or like Doc Savage books, which were popular yeah. when I was a kid, you know, high action adventure stuff um, that starts to develop your, your and then as you mature and grow and stuff, then you start to seek out, you know, more literary um, challenges. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so curious about, I know we're kind of jumping over a big part of your career now, which was working with DC and uh, mm -hmm. the big titles, the big things, um, the big two, I should say. I'm mm -hmm. curious about what led you to the world of kind of creating your own company, taking your own stance on comics. And the front page of your website essentially says like there was there was some disillusion that you had with the world of comics. Well, uh, I've been doing this now professionally for 40 years. Mm -hmm. So I've seen a lot of changes in the industry. And somewhere in the early 2000s, things really started to change. Um, the, the old school uh, editorial systems were, were collapsing. Um, we were getting less and less educated, educated in the business of comics. Uh, uh, people running the show. Uh, a, a lot of um, uh, the current term is woke isms uh, started making their way into comics at the expense of good storytelling. Mm -hmm. um, there was gatekeeping and blacklisting uh, because if you didn't agree with them or you voted for the wrong guy, you know, you were you were cast out. Uh, it's mm -hmm. it's crazy that that exists, but it does exist. And um uh, you know, when after creating Bane, you can see how much money is generated by a property like that and then how much you get. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. uh, the other impetus for me was, you know, uh, own my own properties, you know, not be uh, told what kind of stories I can tell. Um, and uh, uh, that was the main thing for me is I, I, I just wanted to uh, I wanted to get away from um, all that corporate nonsense. Uh, and, um, you know, the sales were, you know, tanking, uh, and they still are, you know, they, they crow about numbers that Charlton comics would have canceled on. Uh, so that's, that's how bad, you know, the, the sales numbers have gotten and, you know, they love to say, oh, comics are doing better than ever, but they're lumping in manga and trade paperbacks and reprints and all that kind of stuff into it. The actual floppies, the peri periodicals are not healthy. Um, and they're continuing to produce stuff that people don't want to read uh, because it's they're pushing ideology instead of quality. And so that was the main reason why I wanted to uh, break out and tell old, not old stories. I shouldn't say that because that sort of sounds like I'm dating something. But I want to tell stories that are that are timeless, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. that that aren't uh, um, uh, motivated by the thoughts of the day. You know, there's nothing worse than watching a movie or, or, or reading a comic where something uh, current is referenced and now it's long gone. You know, it, it really dates it, you know. Uh, and so I want to tell these timeless um, evergreen type stories that deal with, you know, classic um, um, uh, classic themes, you know. So and there's a market for it because nobody else, very few people are doing it. Yeah, yeah, there's a hunger for from old time, uh, old uh, comic fans. Uh, and hopefully you want to get new comic fans uh, because they we haven't done anything to bring in younger readers again. Mm 
you know, Marvel and DC create these movies. Why is there not a kiosk in a movie theater selling that Avengers comic for those kids that come out? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you've got a built in audience right there and they're not doing it uh, because I don't think they care about the publishing. They're just kind of more concerned with strip mining IP. Um, yeah. which is intellectual property for anybody that doesn't know. <laughs> yeah. Even the, the old school, like, comics adaptations. So if you saw the movie, like, I remember seeing, you know, the 1989 Batman movie and then immediately right. went to Jerry Ordway's take on that. Um, right. So it was right there kind of reinforcing itself even. Um, yeah. You know, that, that was a natural step for me to go back to mm -hmm. comics and then to the movies growing up as sure. well. Yeah. Sure. You know, when we got out of the, the newspaper distribution and, and went into direct sales, um, uh, we it, it helped to save the industry at the time. But it's also a kind of a millstone around our necks because you have to seek out comics now. You can't just find them by accident and discover them, which is what was exciting as a kid. You could go into any 7-Eleven or a, a, a luncheonette or a mom and pop cigar store. Uh, and see this rack, on, a spinner rack of comics and discover them for yourself for the first time. You know, you know, if you didn't have a comic shop in your in your town, you had one of those things where you could where you could discover them and kids can't discover them anymore. And so they move on to other things. Yeah. And, you know, I'm trying to reach out to new readers uh, that are technologically savvy, i.e., you know, they can go on the Internet. They know how to purchase uh, they're on their phones. They can do stuff on that. Mm -hmm. And and so hopefully at some point bring in bring a new and younger audience that will grow with with the business. Yeah. yeah. You, you also do this really clever thing, which is everything you publish isn't superhero based. Um, you have a, a range there and comics that appeal to kind of like the thriller or horror side. And that's, that's mm -hmm. part of that classic storytelling too, to me is that you can tell any kind of story in a comic. It doesn't have to be just a superhero. I mean, there's nothing wrong with superheroes, but there are a lot of things to do. Um, thinking about Chinook there over your shoulder and mm -hmm. uh, Joe Frankenstein, who's, who's kind of a horror comic meets. Yep. There he is. Uh, meets um kind of the the superhero aspect there um mm -hmm. so curious about anything you would want to share about reclaiming joe frankenstein and kind of taking it under the wing of compass uh or any of those titles matacumba key monster island mm -hmm. yeah well you know i i made a conscious effort to avoid superhero comics uh, mm -hmm. marvel and dc have those locked down we don't need more of them. Uh, and I played in that sandbox for 40 years. Um, there's other genres, other stories I like. I love Westerns. I like war comics. I like horror, um, the supernatural, uh, even romance. I, 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 I'd like to tell a modern day romance comic. Mm -hmm. I think that would be fun. Um, so I specifically focused my my Nolan verse, my Compass Comics world on uh, monsters. As I said, I was a monster kid first. It was my first love. So I figured that's where I'm going to go. Um, and those kind of stories are bulletproof. Uh, even in the greatest recessions uh, and depressions, monster stuff, horror comics, horror movies, sold. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's where I lean towards. Um, it's not to say I won't ever do a superhero comic. Um, but my, even my, my horror and supernatural stuff is always mixed with high adventure. 
Um, it's, it's, it's really kind of a mashup genre. Um, as much as I like straight up horror, I, I like to have an element of high adventure involved in it as well. Yeah. Uh, Joe Frankenstein is exactly that. It was a, a love letter to the Universal Monster movies mm-hmm. and high adventure stuff. If you ever saw the movie The Mummy's Hand from 1940, um, it was the first. It, it's technically not a sequel to Boris Karloff's The Mummy because it's a it's a brand new mummy. And he's actually a mummy in this one. And uh, it was really the precursor of Indiana Jones because Dick Ferran plays this two-fisted archaeologist that's seeking out the tomb of Ananka and runs into the mummy and they get into all this cool fight stuff. And, um, and so that was one of my favorites as a kid. And that's what I went into when I was uh, developing Joe Frankenstein is that kind of feel to it. Uh-huh. And uh, so we, we proposed it to IDW and they, they picked it up and, and published it. Um, but they didn't do a very good job of promoting it and stuff, but it was always creator owned. So, um, uh, what little percentage they had, we had the rights given back to us. Um, so, uh, it's all hundred percent, uh, me and Chuck Dixon now own it. Uh-huh. So I immediately republished it, uh, under the compass comics banner in two parts because it was pretty long. Uh, and we're developing uh, new Joe Frankenstein stories now. If people are interested, they go to the Compass Comics website, uh, and both of them, uh, well, uh, Joe 1 is available on the, on the website right now, and Joe 2 will be up there shortly. Nice, nice. So it sounds like you and Chuck Dixon have continued a, a partnership. I was going to ask about collaborations and um, experiences that have been positive and folks that you've connected mm-hmm. with in the industry as well. Yeah, Chuck and I go back a long time uh, to almost the very beginning uh, of our careers at Eclipse Comics, uh, and we, we've worked on so many things together, um, and we really enjoy working with each other. Um, that's my probably my uh, uh, biggest collaboration in my career was with Chuck. You know, we, we created Bane together. We uh-huh. did Joe Frankenstein. Uh, we've done uh, dozens of projects and proposed dozens of projects that didn't fly as well. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, and Chuck and I are also involved in a, in a, a company that we're co-owners on called spin rack, which is developing digital comics. Nice. Uh, and, um, eventually, uh, gaming and, um, uh, web three, um, um, uh, things with our properties. Cool. Very cool. Working across the media. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any other collaborations, experiences you would want to point to before we talk about next creative steps? Well, I mean, I have worked with so many people, um, you know, some, uh, I think, married better than others. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, uh, I worked John Ostrander and Tim Truman on Hawkworld. Mm-hmm. Um, we, the three of us were very different people, but we collaborated really well. Uh, on Hawkworld, that was a that was a, a book where I really cut my teeth on, and I saw really great growth in my work uh, working on that. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, I'm always interested to hear about the the positive connections and the folks that are good collaborators along the way. Um, yeah, my my collaborations have mostly been positive. I mean, I have to say. Um, with other creators, whether I was working with writers or other artists, whatever, um, I, I, I can't really point and say that there was any issues. 
Now, editors, that's a whole other story. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, enough cannot be said for a, a good sportive editor as well, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We need yeah. more of them. Yeah. Absolutely. We need more better trained editors out there. Yeah. Folks that, that know the comics and know the things. Right. And yeah. can spell. Well, that, that also helps if you're going to be an editor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so curious, you mentioned spin rack, any, any creative steps, creative visions moving forward. And of course, I also want to make sure that I give you the chance to share where folks can connect to talk about these books that, or to find these books that we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. Well, my focus, my primary focus is on, is all compass comic stuff. You know, I've created this little universe mm -hmm. and my current, uh, um, campaign, the ghost of Matacumba key. Uh, I finished the last page of that story yesterday. Oh, wow. uh, so that campaign is coming down next week. So anybody oh. watching this that wants to get that book, um, you'll have to go to the link uh, that Jason provides um, uh, and, uh, and click on it and, uh, and, and, you know, order the book now because it's coming down and it won't be available uh, for quite a while uh, before it shows up on the compass comics website. And you got to pay more for it there. So, um, you're always better off supporting the campaign because you get all the stretch goal goodies, the stickers, the extra stuff that comes with it, which you don't get when you buy it separately on the um, on the uh, the website. But this is the book that connects all my stuff. The when you finish this, you'll see how the universe is shared by Joe Frankenstein and Monster Island and and the Chinoo and Alien Alamo and all these properties that I've been developing. You know. So I, I'm really excited about it. The last page is a big reveal, and I that's the one I finished yesterday. And I'm like, oh, man, wait till they see this. They're going to freak. <laughs> well, I, I'm looking forward to seeing it as well. And there, there will be a pop-up above us or below us or somewhere, maybe over my face, where um, folks can go and check out the campaign and support and find out more as well. Cool. Excellent. And what people need to understand um, – is, you know, when you think of comics, you think of the what are called floppies, you know, maybe 22 pages of stories with ads that are bound together by two staples. Um, the stuff I publish are higher end books. Uh, they're what's called perfect bound. So the covers are, have, are square bound and they're glued on. Uh, it's a higher grade of paper. It's, mm -hmm. it's more of a boutique comic. And, and uh, like Ghost of Matacumba Key is going to have 72 pages in it. Um, so... Uh, it, it's, it's more like what you'd consider a, um, a graphic novel or what DC used to call prestige books. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, higher quality as far as the materials, but then also more content than your average floppy. Exactly. It was behind the scenes things, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, Graham, thank you so much for jumping on. I promised you a brief talk. Anything else that you want to make sure to mention before we close out of the episode? No, I just thanks everybody for watching and listening to me ramble. And uh, if you're interested in any of my products, you can just go to uh, compasscomics.com. Check it out. All right. Well, I, I appreciate both your history in comics as well as the ongoing work that you're doing in um, sharing creator-owned, creator-owned universes, and I am sure continuing to inspire others to do the same. Well, thank you very much, Jason. Thanks for having me on.